Hello and welcome to the Fearless in Love podcast, the show that will help you transform your relationship by first transforming you. My name is Hannah and I'm a relationship anxiety coach and breathwork facilitator, but I've also come out of the other side of relationship anxiety myself. Now that I'm looking through a lens of clarity, I am here to help you experience deep love and connection, not only with your partner, but in every area of your beautiful life. Hi everyone. I have to immediately apologize in advance because today I'm joining you with a sickness. I had a sore throat last night. It's a little bit better today, but if you hear this crackly sound as I talk, know that it is just because I'm sick. I wasn't smoking. So today we are going to talk about some deeper concepts than we did last time. We are going to actually get into the protective mechanisms that parts of you are using to keep you safe, but also in keeping you safe, to sabotage your relationship. That is what we don't want. So if you have seen my content and you're like, okay, yes, I have relationship anxiety. I need to deal with it. It is destroying my relationship. It's destroying my mental health. Just tell us, how do we get through it? That is what we're going to be talking about today. But mainly, I want you to know exactly which behaviors are relationship anxiety. Because so much of the time, people come to me and they're like, Hannah, I don't know if this is relationship anxiety or if I'm just with the wrong partner. And it's very hard for me to answer that question because everybody is different, of course, and I'm not in your relationship. But here are some signs that you have a protective part a part of you who was hurt in the past that is now taking on this role of keeping you safe. And so to keep you safe, we're going to go through all of the different strategies that that part may be using. It might be using all of these strategies. It might be using only one of these strategies. Okay, I'm just going to jump right in with the first one. The first mechanism that this protective part of us uses to keep us safe is comparison. Good old comparison. Oh, it is so painful. It is so annoying. It's so frustrating. It's like we know that comparing is not good for us or for our relationship. We know that comparison is a thief of joy, right? But there's that part of us, that little voice in our head, that can't stop obsessing over it. And in relationship anxiety, I'll give you a couple examples. One super common one is through social media, which, first of all, we all know social media is not real life. But it can be really hard when you see something on your TikTok popping up of this girl talking about how she has the most amazing relationship. He fulfills all of her love language without her even having to ask and telling you if he wanted to, he would. Oh, I hate that. I hate that phrase so much. I remember when I was in the thick of relationship anxiety during COVID, that was like the big trend on TikTok. If he wanted to, he would. And then showing your boyfriend, like doing all of the love languages. And there's this one girl, 
no hate to this girl. I love that she was living her best life and sharing this, but she was showing her boyfriend doing all of this stuff. Like, it would be physical touch, giving her a one-hour massage, words of affirmation, writing out these giant love letters, um, acts of service, throwing her these crazy date nights, and like, I don't know why it always stuck out in my mind. He would always throw painting parties in the backyard where it would be like an easel set up with paint and a canvas and they would paint. Um, what's the other love language? Words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time. Yeah. I mean, quality time kind of goes hand in hand with that other one. But I would see these things and then right away what I would do is I would send them to my boyfriend. In the back of my mind thinking, maybe if he sees this, he will start doing all of these things. First of all, I want you to stop doing that. If you ever see a TikTok or a reel or whatever, something that your partner does not do for you, if you want him to do different things for you, if you want to inspire him to show up, the wrong way about that is sending him a video of another man in this energy of like, you're not good enough. It's that would like, for example, this is so weird to me that it just happened recently because in my entire relationship, my partner has never sent me anything like that. But he actually sent me a video of this girl on National Boyfriend Day um, and everything that she did for her boyfriend. Like, similar to that other TikTok I described, she got him all these crazy gifts, this crazy date night, all of this stuff, and then there's me, I just posted a picture of him, I actually posted the picture a day late, and that pic, that video did not make me want to do those things. It made me feel like my partner was sending that to me, saying, you're not good enough, you should be more like this girl, and that's like the worst feeling in the world, so stop sending your man these videos. It's not helping. Second of all, remember, these things are not real life. And I'm very blessed to have gotten very, very real glimpses into people's relationships, being a relationship anxiety coach. And I want to tell you guys this, and you might even be one of these people. Most women who have relationship anxiety a lot of women, I should say, not most, a lot of women who have relationship anxiety are the ones who have their boyfriend in their profile picture, who posts long posts about him and how amazing he is, shows off all of the dates they go on together, and then meanwhile, they're sitting in my Zoom room telling me that their boyfriend doesn't do enough for them or that they're comparing him to other people or that they think they need to break up. Also, when I go back and I look at when I had the worst relationship anxiety, I go to my Instagram. The posts I was posting about my partner Alex back then were the ones that would trigger me. I was stressed about my relationship. It was the hardest part of my life, yet from the outside perspective, it looked like I was in like a dream scenario, traveling Germany, um, going on all these cool adventures with him, but like Behind the scenes, it was struggle bus. Like, it was not good. So there's a little bit 
of a reminder there, which I know you guys know. But how I would deal with this is unfollow any of those people who trigger you. And if you want to go even further, you can unfollow anyone who triggers you and then only look at your following feed on TikTok or on Instagram. That way you have a very curated feed of people who are going to make you feel good instead of bad. Then over time, you will get to a place where you can see different expressions of love and actually be happy for people instead of comparing your partner to them. I actually even notice now, since I've healed my relationship anxiety, I'm mainly good, you guys. I, I see all of these things on TikTok now. I, I'm around people who are in really happy relationships. I've been around people who are in the honeymoon phase, and I'm good. I'm not phased. However, if I'm having a harder time in life, these things bother me a little bit more. So like, let's say I'm already emotionally fragile because I'm on my period, or because something really scary or hard is happening in my life. Something happened last week, actually, a personal like family emergency, and I was very stressed out. Like my nervous system was completely dysregulated, and I noticed that little voice sneaking back in, trying to get me to compare my relationship to somebody else's. And although it was a lot more subtle than before, it still tried to sneak back in. Why? Because I was vulnerable, because I was already dysregulated. So understand that the more regulated you are, the less this part of you is going to try to protect you by using this comparison technique. Some other ways that you might be comparing your relationship that's so common in relationship anxiety is just hating to be around people in the honeymoon phase. Like if you have a best friend that just got a new boyfriend and he is picking her up, buying her flowers all the time, taking her on all these dates, uh, and they're just in that really excited puppy love phase, you might really want to listen to your friend and like be excited for her, but your relationship anxiety is like, no, this is so triggering. Like my partner isn't doing that for me. I don't feel that way about my partner. There must be something wrong. Or you might even be like, I've never felt that way about my partner. I never had a honeymoon phase. There must be something wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's just that part that is trying to protect you. One more comparison trend that is so common is getting triggered by other people's breakups. I remember having this when I was in Germany and my boyfriend's best friend, one of his best friends, broke up with his girlfriend. Or they both broke up. I don't know who instigated it, but that freaked me out. And I guess it's not so much comparison, but it's more this part of you that is not thinking rationally telling you that happened to so-and-so and it means it's going to happen to me. What if my partner sees that his friend broke up with his girlfriend and decides to do the same, like magically he's influenced? Um, there is that fear that has been in the back of our mind and It's more forefront now because someone else is going through it. Let's worry about that. There's danger in the neighborhood. So that's another common one. And just being aware of it is really going to help you to be like, wait a sec. That's that protective part of me coming out. Like it's not actually a threat. It doesn't actually make my partner any more likely to leave me. Or it doesn't make me any more likely to leave my partner just because someone else is going through that. 
It's very normal. We are not them. Stop copying and pasting your relationship onto other people's relationships and vice versa. So protective mechanism number two is this little thing called hypervigilance or checking. So for most people, not everyone who has relationship anxiety has this one, by the way, but it's this feeling that you need to constantly be checking if your partner is acting differently towards you to see if like maybe he's lost feelings and then because most people with relationship anxiety are highly sensitive people, they can pick up on the tiniest changes in their partner that their partner might not even notice about himself. Like for me, if my partner talks to me in like a slightly different tone or if he's a little bit quieter than he usually is, It's like ding, 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 fire alarm going off in my mind saying there's a problem. And then the protective part of you, because it it sees this threat and it's sounding the alarms and it's getting you activated, it tries to figure out why your partner's acting differently. And of course, it's not thinking of all the reasons that he's acting differently um, that are like no big deal. It's like thinking the worst case scenarios. For example... I want to walk with my partner and he's being a little bit quieter than normal. He must be thinking about breaking up with me. Or maybe he's mad at me because of what I did earlier, but I don't remember doing anything that would have made him mad, but I could have done something. Or maybe he's thinking about another girl. Maybe he's thinking about his ex. Like your mind goes to these worst case scenarios. Meanwhile, there are like a thousand other things that could be causing him to be a little bit quieter or to have a different tone or to be acting a little bit different. And then the checking thing is also common where it's the other way around. You're checking how you feel about your partner. Like maybe you'll just be laying there cuddling with him and all of a sudden you'll be like, wait a minute, how in love do I feel about him right now? How in love do I feel with him right now? And you're like, wait a minute, I don't feel butterflies in my stomach. I'm feeling a little bit stressed oh my gosh, this must mean that I don't love him. I should be feeling a different way. Or looking at him and being like, wait a minute, how attractive am I to him right now? Do I feel like I would want to kiss him right now? Do I feel like he looks good enough to me? And that sort of checking, because it stresses you out, because it's that protective part of you, you realize you'll start to feel bad And then you'll attribute that bad feeling towards your partner. So like it's not necessarily that you are trying to decide if you love your partner and you try to feel the emotions in your heart and you can't feel it and that's because you don't actually love him. No. It's because there's a protective part of you trying to keep you safe, closing your heart, and then you're checking for those feelings. Of course it's going to be hard to access feelings of love when there's that part of you that is keeping you on edge and giving you a hit of anxiety. This used to be so, so hard for me, you guys. Like I remember when I went to UBC, my university, and I was first dating my boyfriend, Alex. This is when I should have been in the, quote, honeymoon phase, right? We used to go for walks around the campus. That's probably why I keep using this walking example. And I don't know why. I think he's he's majorly an over thinker like me he's not as anxious as me but he's very much in his head sometimes and so we'd be out and there'd be like crowds around and 
he would be so quiet for that entire time. And in his head, he's probably thinking about like what he ate for lunch that day or like thinking about soccer or stocks. And I would just be walking with him, holding his hand, being like, he's thinking about how he doesn't like me as much as he used to. And then I would start asking him over and over again, what's going on in your head? What's going on in your head? And he'd be like, nothing, like not much. And that just triggered me. And it, it kind of reminds me of that TikTok uh, trend where people were, or guys were like, this is my girlfriend and what she's thinking I'm thinking about and it's all these bad things. And then it's like what I'm actually thinking about and he's thinking about something dumb, like, like, I'm trying to think of a dumb example. Why do chickens fly? Like, why are they able to fly if they don't actually need to fly? Or like, here's one, thinking about the Roman Empire, like, you know, that trend going around where it's like, all guys think about the Roman Empire so often and we don't know why. It's that kind of stuff, you guys. Some of your boyfriends are really not that deep thinkers all of the time. A lot of the times highly sensitive women are with partners that are more on like the logical side who are less emotional and less like in their heads thinking about like stocks or like the weather things like that. So 99% of the time it is not the worst case scenario that your mind is going to. So when that happens remind yourself wait a sec, I'm going to the worst case scenario. There's a thousand other things you could be thinking about. This is just that protective part of me again. I think this behavior also probably stems from being a people pleaser. And if you're thinking I'm not a people pleaser, I thought that for years. And right now that's kind of like the main thing I'm working on because I noticed I am so scared of people being mad at me. Like it's one of the hardest things for me to handle is conflict and other people being mad at me or being unhappy with me. And so because I have that fear, that's why I had this protective part constantly on the lookout. Like I need to make sure he's not mad at me. It also could be a fear of loss. Like I need to make sure he's fully happy with me or he'll leave me. It could be because growing up, you were in charge of your parents' emotional states and you were blamed for them. It could be a whole myriad of different things and that's where you do the deeper inner work trying to figure that out but for now remember that is just the protective part the third one is when you are super anxious and you have relationship anxiety and that protective part is activated usually it will try to make you see your partner as the quote bad guy or like the villain so Everything that you see him do will be taken in the wrong way. This is such a big one for me. Like I would get so judgmental of him. I would assume that everything he did was through bad intentions. I would take all of his texts and ways like, oh, he's being like too short with me now. Or like he didn't send a long enough good morning message. He's. It must mean that he's just not very thoughtful. Or like... He isn't uh, cleaning the kitchen enough. Must mean that he's lazy. Like taking everything to mean that your partner is bad or not good enough. And I just think about how hard that would be being with a partner who felt that way about you all of the time. Not because they truly felt that way at their core, but because they had this protective part making them think those things. And 
of course, I don't at all think that you should have shame around this because it's not your fault that you have this protective part and you're literally on here listening to this podcast trying to get better. But that really motivated me to take action on my healing journey and to change. Because truly, you guys, when I get my heart open and that protective part is out of the way, I see my partner as like the most amazing guy in the world. And it feels completely different, like black and white. But even last week, when I went through that really hard time and I was emotionally activated, I noticed this pattern coming up as well. And it's a huge thing to work on and to heal because our partners deserve to be with people who love them just like we deserve to be with people who love us and who see us for who we are. This is for another day, another podcast, but a lot of the times we have this because there are actually parts of ourselves that we are rejecting and then we are projecting them onto our partners. So like for example, I used to be so controlling whenever my partner would go on his phone too much, quote, too much, like as if there's some kind of rule. Uh, But meanwhile, I would be on my phone literally all day and then I would get mad at him for being on it when he was around me. And so that was a projection and it just gets fascinating the more that you look into these different things that you are doing in your relationship. It helps you to get to know yourself and heal all of these different parts of yourself that you are rejecting, that you're shaming, and that are desperately needing your love. A big theme as well is attraction. And I have a lot of students in the Fearless and Love Club who are dealing with this attraction thing right now where they look at their partner and they don't feel attracted. And they're obsessed about their partner's looks. I remember hearing of somebody's story around attraction from somebody who I don't actually know personally and I don't know if she has relationship anxiety but it was a perfect example of this and I thought to myself she might have relationship anxiety so this guy was telling us about how his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend could not stand when he wore a hat like baseball hats and to most people it sounds almost funny, like, what? You don't you don't like when your partner wears a hat? Like, is it really that big of a deal? Um, but she would actually get really mean or judgmental and be like, I can't even look at you when you wear that hat. And that just, to me, I'm like that little, picking apart a tiny thing of your partner's appearance like that, or maybe all of his appearance, it doesn't have to be something small, it's so relationship OCD or relationship anxiety. Like it's such a classic thing. So again, here's this theme coming up again. That's just the protective part of you trying so hard to create space between you and your partner. Because it's like being too close to this person with an open heart, being vulnerable, letting him in is dangerous. And I know That if I make her not physically attracted to him, that will create some space, which is going to keep us safe. And so whenever you start to worry about this attraction thing, just remember that as you heal your relationship anxiety, that should fade. I also like to ask people who have this problem, how do you feel about your own looks? And how do you feel about your own beauty? Like, do you know how beautiful you are? Are you confident in how you look? Do you feel sexy? And 
usually the answer will be no or like not really. And so that's a great place to start too because it could be a projection. And honestly, I shouldn't even be saying this. Like this has nothing to do with relationship anxiety, but people can change their appearance, you guys. My boyfriend has gone through such a glow up and I'm sorry if anyone who knows him is listening to this. I'm sorry if he's listening to this. I'm sure he's not. But he's gone through such a glow up since I've been with him. Like he used to just let his hair grow out like crazy because he didn't want to get a haircut. And that would be a major thing that I would obsess over. Um, and his style, like he'd wear sweatpants constantly. Um, he wasn't doing skincare, <laughs> like a whole bunch of different things. And I love him to death. But now that he's had this little glow up over time, it didn't happen all straight away. It's been four years. It's a lot easier. And I genuinely love the way that he looks. So just remember if it's like a hygiene thing or like a style thing or a hair thing, these things can be changed. If it's something different that's like just part of how he looks, again, opening your heart will help you to accept all of these different things about him. Because I'm sure that he accepts parts of you that maybe are more flaws or imperfections. For example, maybe you're constantly worried that he's too short and you're taller than him. It may seem like a big deal right now because you're anxious and you have that protector part and it's telling you there's a major problem, you should be taller than your boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. But once your heart is open and once you start focusing on the things that you really love about him, there's a really great chance that will no longer even matter to you and it won't even be a big deal because it's such a small thing when you have a partner who loves you and cares about you and who is growing with you. The next one is closing your heart and it's kind of related to all of the things I've already talked about with you but I like to talk about this a lot because essentially you can picture it when your heart is open and I'm doing like a hand gesture with my hands showing me opening my heart when your heart is open you're seeing the world through eyes of love everything feels amazing everything feels wonderful if you had a happy childhood growing up, a healthy childhood, you probably remember feeling this way where it's like the world just feels magical. And in this state of an open heart, which by the way is your true state, the only reason we close our hearts is because these parts of us have learned to protect us through closing it. But when you do have that open heart, it is so much easier to find the good in your partner, to overlook the bad or accept the bad, because we all have darkness within us, we all have flaws, and all of the coping mechanisms just dissolve away. Because the coping mechanisms, those self-sabotaging behaviors, are happening because your heart is closed. Because some part of you on an unconscious level views your partner as unsafe. I'm going to keep hammering that part home for you. Some ways that you can tell that you have a closed heart are... Feelings of numbness, feeling dissociated. By the way, when you have a closed heart, you're not only closing yourself off to bad emotion, like anxiety, fear, you might still feel them, but it's to help you feel less. You're also closing yourself off to 
the good emotions like gratitude, laughter. When my heart was closed for nearly three years, I hardly laughed. And I'm the kind of person, you guys, who laughs at everything. And I love to laugh. I stopped laughing. I stopped cracking jokes. I stopped enjoying music. Like, I love music. I love a good sing-along and just dancing around my room. I'm not even a good singer or a good dancer, but that's when I'm the happiest is just singing and being in the moment with music. It's like my love for music just completely went away when my heart was closed because the only thing that matters when your heart is closed is keeping you safe. It's a very survival, survival-y state, <laughs> survivalistic, survival-y, however you would say that. And you're just so overly serious. Like you're taking everything so seriously. Life seems dull and gray and hard and boring. Maybe you've lost interest in things that you used to love. These are the sad effects of closing your heart long term. It's almost like when you close your heart and you're in that protective mode, you've totally lost your inner child. Like all of the fun little things about life that made it so magical are just like, nope, those don't matter. We're keeping you safe right now. doesn't matter if you like want to celebrate Halloween and really enjoy it this year. Like that's, that's at the bottom of our list. We're trying to help you survive because the body in that state, in that nervous system dysregulation actually thinks that you are in danger, like you're being chased by a bear. But don't worry, you can open your heart again and it is never, ever a lost cause. All right, the last one, the last coping mechanism is just kind of a wide array of compulsive behaviors. That's why they call it ROCD or relationship OCD. And we've already gone over one of them, or you know what, all of these actually could be compulsive behaviors, like comparing, compulsive comparing, um, compulsive checking how much you love him, uh, compulsive thoughts in your head of him being a bad guy, but a couple others are feeling like you need to control him and nitpick him, almost like you're his mother, when in reality, There are a whole bunch of things that you could be working on, working on yourself. When I was in Germany with my partner, I was so hard on him for like leaving dishes in the sink. Meanwhile, I was so messy as well. That's just one small example. Another compulsory, I don't know if these are real words or if I'm making them up. I'm I'm inventing a whole new language for my podcast. Another compulsive behavior is Googling or looking to other people for answers because you don't have that self-trust. It's very hard to have self-trust when you are living through this protective part instead of the real you that is grounded in the truth and that can see the whole picture. That's not just trying to keep you safe. And so you go to other people, you Google, you go through Reddit threads, you start asking other people for advice even though you know that they're going to say something that's going to trigger you. And what this is, is it's actually just a desperate attempt to get some certainty because you do not feel safe knowing that you are living through uncertainty and that opening your heart up to love is a vulnerable thing for anybody. And so instead of having faith 
which is scary, which takes work, you try to gain certainty through all of the wrong ways. Not on purpose, but this protective part is making you do it in the background. The catch is you never actually gain certainty through all of these behaviors. For example, one of them could be asking for reassurance from your partner over and over and over again. You're like, do you love me? Do you still feel the same about me? Have your feelings about me changed? Do you still want to be with me long term? Maybe the answer is always the same. Like, yes, I do. I just told you that. And it could make you feel better for like a couple minutes, for an hour. Maybe it doesn't even work at all. But for most people, it's a very short effect. And not long after, you need more reassurance. And it's just this cycle. And it's this habit you get into. This protective mechanism of believing to feel okay, I need reassurance. Or in the other examples, to feel okay, I need to Google. To feel okay, I need to make sure that my relationship is okay by comparing it to other people's relationships. And it's okay. Remember, it's just that protective part. But then what we do is we come in and we interrupt that pattern. We learn to self-soothe and we form new strategies so that whenever you start to feel, let's say, uncertain and you're feeling like you don't know what's going to happen in the future and it feels unbearable. Your automatic reaction isn't going to be asking for reassurance or doing one of those harmful behaviors. Your automatic reaction will be sitting down, putting your hand over your heart and breathing through the feeling. Because you guys, what you need to know is the only person who can help you long-term to feel better and to show you that it is safe to be in this relationship is a part of you. It's not the same part that is a protective part. It's this deeper part that everybody has. Some people call it their higher self. Some people call it self with a capital S, but I like to think of it as a real you. We need to help you get back in contact, back in touch with that real you. I hope that this has been helpful and that you have gained some major clarity or at least feel understood through learning about all of these different protection mechanisms. I'll see you guys next week and I hope you have a wonderful weekend.